Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, episode number 67. Feels like we were just here. Yeah, say this might be the quickest <laughs> we've recorded, watched, and then put another episode out. We decided that we wanted to get this all done before Christmas, so um, surprise, there's the timeline for you. Yeah, we recorded this, what, two days, two or three days after the last episode? We watched the show the same day we recorded the last episode. And we were going to record yesterday. And yeah. Then, Why didn't we? Um, you had s- some bad taco shells? <laughs> I do want to note, not bad tacos, bad taco shells. I somehow food poisoned myself twice in the same day with the same food. I also want to note that we're now in the second theme of the opening because I went to go find a WCW Mayhem like theme song, and the only one that was available was like a minute and five seconds long. So we're definitely I mean, in the second song it, right now. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem very loopable. Oh well, I just don't think you're that creative. Did you want to talk about these taco shells that poisoned me? Want to call out Old El Paso? Old El Paso hint of lime taco shells. What the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah, I don't know what that was. N- n- the reason I know it was the shells. Is because Nick didn't eat the shells. He had one bite and then transferred. He decided he didn't like them, so he transferred his tacos to tortillas. And then I ate all the shells. And then I got sick that night. And the next day, I was like, "There's no way it was the shells. That's dumb. Who could, who could get food poisoning from a tortilla chip?" So I ate the rest of the shells. I crushed them up into chips. And then I got sick like an hour later. Yeah. You did also ignore the fact that you laughed at me because uh, we only had burrito-sized <laughs> tortillas. And I'm like, so he cut like them what? Into smaller tortillas. It's, it's too big. Also, when I was looking at what episode number this was, uh, yeah, I'm like, ooh, I'm two away from the from the big one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we only get one episode sixty nine. <laughs> it's gonna be so fucking nice. Unless we reboot, I don't know. It's gonna be nice. What if we just have a second podcast? Start something else. We barely have time for this one. We have plenty of time. You just won't let me edit. So today we're talking about the show, not the video game or the album of WCW Mayhem. 1999. Yes. <laughs> there are two of them because when we looked this up originally, I'm like, oh, it's weird. There's only the one like episode season kind of thing. And for some reason on Peacock, the next one is marked as Mayhem 2000. Because everything that was in 2000 was marked as 2000. I feel like that mostly stopped in 2000, especially the end of it. I feel like that was like, or at least in wrestling. I guess it was the end of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. In like wrestling, it's like, all right, 1997 hits. Techno Team 2000. <laughs> Everything was branded 2000, though. Like, games, movies, TV shows, like, everything was, you know, 2000 themed on in that year, I feel. I feel like everything had that kind of a branding. A little bit. Like, into the new millennium. What are they, Sid? Shut up. I thought you were going to get into the whole, like, 2000s, not the start of the millennium. Don't fucking do that. So, yeah, there's some of you mayhem. Live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, on November 21st, 1999. It is not Toronto. It is Toronto. Oh. When I went to Toronto, I got yelled at. It's not Toronto. Toronto. It's like Buckingham versus Buckingham. I'm not from there. <laughs> they are in the Air Canada Center. And this show is sponsored by, in 1999, what was actually a pretty good company, but in 2022 is one of the worst companies in the world, Electronic Arts. Oh, yeah. Wait, why are they terrible in 2022? What? At least EA Sports is very notably uh, bad, but I feel like EA probably ain't too far behind well ea used to be the developer of the sims it is no longer ea but they were probably sponsoring this because the sims the first one comes out next year uh emily that's not why they're sponsoring this maybe it's a big game emily legitimately that's not what they're maybe sponsoring. Emily, they made the mayhem game that maybe. just came out i don't know <laughs> could be the sims 
<laughs> Could be the reasons. Sims. It's not. Could though. be. Actually, I guess EA Sports and uh, WCW kind of deserve each other, regurgitating the same product that you've already done and expecting more money. But with The Sims, it did better every time. Oh, I'm saying, but like Madden and FIFA. Oh, okay, and, well. Yeah. Yeah. The Sims at least got better with time, <laughs> except for after Sims 3, and then Sims 4 kind of sucked. Sims 3 was the peak of all Sims. So a few notes on this show before we get into it. I'm not going to make you do the whole Price is Right game. Do-do-do-do! But uh, this was not a sellout, but was pretty close. Really? The venue holds 15,000. Apparently sold 13,000. 15,000 feels small for an arena. How, like, what, what kind that's of arena not, was that's this? That's pretty standard. I mean, it's a hockey arena. Okay. It's pretty standard. Okay. Hockey arena, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's I mean, ba- hockey and basketball, I mean, I feel like yeah. it maxes out around, you know, like the bigger ones, like 25. Yeah. So part of the reason this was not a sellout, other than the fact that, you know, the product. WWF ran a show at the near at a nearby arena the night before. Oh, really? In one of those coincidences. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how they had uh, the first Survivor Series on the same night as Starcade. Interesting. Weird how that works out. So wild. So wild and crazy. So in terms of buy rate, it's down a little bit from last month. That's not surprising. Yeah, but I mean, it's like last month did 230,000 buys. The pay-per-view before that did 130,000. This is just down a little from last month. This is at 200,000 buys, which, I mean, admittedly for, like, it's it's a pay-per-view that has no kind of lineage or prestige, so it's not the worst. I don't understand why this, is, why this product's doing well. And, Relatively. And for what it's worth, this is in the same, like, pay-per-view slot as World War Three was last year. Oh, God. It's down from World War Three. But it's down less from World War Three than Halloween Havoc was from the previous Halloween Havoc. There's such weird <laughs> metrics there. I want yeah. to see the line graph. I, I'll put it this way. Next month is the major red flag. What's next month's pay-per-view? Starcade. Oh, I was wondering when Starcade would come back. Yeah, it's Starcade. And um, last year, Starcade did 460,000 buys. We'll, we'll stay tuned for how this one's going to do. I'm guessing it doesn't get that. <laughs> no. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to that. Yeah. Today, it's Mayhem. So we get the opening package, very generic music. It's mm-hmm. a tournament recap and actually is fairly informative of just like, here's how we got here in case you weren't watching. Which, if you're not watching, fair. Yeah. Why would you be? Lots of Tony Schiavone narration. And then we get a second video package just kind of focusing on this show. Because that one was like, here's how we got here. This one, here's where we are. Which... Should have been the same package. Yeah, it did feel unnecessary. There should have not been a break in between those. We then get the opening pyro, Tony and Bobby check in on commentary. This is a hot crowd. Yeah, they run through the tournament matches. It's going to be Chris Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett and Bret Hart versus Sting. Winner of each match faces each other in the finals in tonight's main event. They also run through a bunch of other matches. I only got a couple of them because they're just like there spouting them so off. so many matches. Sid versus Goldberg. That was previously advertised. Buff versus Hennig in a loser must hang up their boots match. The Revolution versus the Filthy Animals in a mixed six-man elimination tag. For some reason, they advertise Rick Steiner versus Scott Hall. Which, remember, Rick Steiner just got powerbombed through the floor. Yeah, and it's not like they were already hyping this and had to change it. No. I'm so confused. And then there's a couple other matches, but they're like, yeah, we have 12 matches tonight. And it's Jesus like, oh, Christ. no. And that's when Emily decided we were not watching this all in one night. Oh, you did? Okay. I, <laughs> I decided around the middle, but. 
No, when he said 12 matches, I'm like, unless these are three-minute matches each with some like good faff in between, I'm not doing it. I think they're mostly around five or six minutes. They do feel longer. Yeah. The, the difference I don't between, necessarily mean that in a bad way. Yeah, well, like the difference between a three-minute match and a five-minute match just somehow feels astronomical. Yeah, it does. Well, we get our opening match, and it's semifinals of the WCW title tournament. It is Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit. And a good bit of logic here where Tony Schiavone explains that, like, yeah, they're doing this match first. That way, Jeff Jarrett has a nice long rest after he wins. Ha ha ha. Because Jeff Jarrett's totally going to win. We get a different theme from even the one Emily thought was different last week for Chris Benoit. Themes are so confusing to me. Yeah. I can't. And then Nick gaslights me. He was like, no, it's been the same theme. Well, it doesn't help that sometimes they're dubbed, like... We'll talk about this later, but Sid is just shifting between two different themes. And I'm like, is it the show or is it the network? Mm. They start up tempo, and this is where we kind of note that, oh, yeah, it's a hot Canadian crowd here tonight. Mm-hmm. Tornado DDT from Benoit and then a neckbreaker. Benoit puts Jeff Jarrett on the top rope and then hits a big superplex. And I don't know why. Every time they like, set up for a superplex like that, I just expect it to get countered. Benoit misses a baseball slide to the outside, but then just like stays on offense. Like, yep, Chris Benoit is a better wrestler than Jeff Jarrett. That's not shocking. Jarrett runs Benoit crotch first into the ring post on the outside. And then that's where he sort of kind of gains the advantage, works Benoit over around ringside. And this man knows what he likes. Just brawl around the outside of the ring. Yeah. We do get a lot of that for a little while. I, I think we've mentioned this a little bit. I'm kind of sad how quickly I soured on Jeff Jarrett because I wanted to give him a chance. And I'm already just like... I don't remember you ever wanting to give him a chance. I remember you like... You talked shit about this guy for so long. Like, oh, just wait until Jeff Jarrett gets here. (laughs) I know he eventually goes downhill. I didn't realize it was after the first week. start uphill. I think I borderline gave him MVP his first appearance. I think you like were forcing yourself to like him. Well, it was also he smashed Buff over the head with a guitar. Mm -hmm. But then he also then talked about stroke, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. this is you. This this year, man. We get a power slam from Jeff Jarrett back inside. It only gets a two, so Jarrett hits a suplex, but that also only gets two. They trade pin attempts, and we get a silent Glargay sleeper from Jeff Jarrett. Like, so can you even call it a Glargay sleeper if it's silent? Say something, you coward. <laughs> I, want him, I want to hear him say it. Nick gasped so loud again because he's like, oh, he's going to do it. I'm going to hear it. It's the Jared throws someone off the rope. So I'm like, <gasps> this is why Nick wants to love Jeff Jared so much. Attitude Era Podcast, this is your fucking fault. No, it's not even that. Although. They the, made you love him. They, no, I don't. I never love Jeff Jared. It's one of those where Jeff Jared gets among the most hate in wrestling. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm like it, it can't be this warranted. And now I'm like, you know, maybe. Still can't get over when we saw him at AEW. Yeah. I think he mostly gets more heat for his TNA run. That was such a glitch in the Matrix moment. Yeah. The Sting music didn't help that the glitch in the no, Matrix moment. No, with that AEW show, it was such a clusterfuck going on in my brain. It was the Sting music. It was fake Sting. And then fucking Jeff Jarrett comes out. All three things that we had been talking about from like 2001 SmackDown and 1999 WCW. Like, it's 2022. Why is this still a thing? Well, I'm That's, sure my brain didn't work. I'm way. sure your brain won't totally break when we go to Raw is XXX. Oh, it's going to break. It, I'm going to implode. Yeah, someone's going to show up. And like someone's going to show up. The crowd's going to pop. And I'm going to be like, what's the big deal? I just saw him on TV last week, but it's going to be someone from like 1998. Emily, what if Vince McMahon turns up? I will shit my pants. <laughs> if, he, like, 
Because I could see him coming out and doing no, that the, would make sense. doing the welcome to Monday night. I also Raw. wouldn't be surprised if like Shawn Michaels makes an appearance. Maybe that'd be cool. Well, apparently you probably didn't read this. Vince is like, I think I got some bad info about stepping down. I don't know about this. Of fucking course, <laughs> of course. I knew this wasn't gonna last. Of course, this is a fucking angle. He's gonna come out at the Royal Rumble. He's gonna come out at the Royal Rumble. He's gonna win the Rumble and he's gonna try to like. Well, somehow win the title and then Triple H is going to battle him for the title. It's going to be like a whole run for ownership of the company. See, I have two conflicting, I have two conflicting hilarious thoughts. One is Vince McMahon being the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. You think he wouldn't write that? The other one is Vince McMahon enters the Royal Rumble, tears both quads. <laughs> and then just has to sit there while everyone eliminates themselves. That'd be great. So anyway, Jared has the Glargay sleeper in. Do you a different name for it when it's silent? The Gargash. A sleeper? A sleeper. They do the drop the arm t- uh, three times, but w- would you believe it? Chris oh Benoit comes to on the out. third time. I'm he talking ca- shit, but this actually was a pretty good match. Yeah. Comes up and locks in a Glargay sleeper of his own, and I'm like... He didn't Glargay. It's like, just Benoit, a sleeper. Hey, Benoit, you are a grunty motherfucker. How he are you not, not making any noise? You can't call it a Glargay if he's not Glargaying. It's just a sleeper. But Jared is the expert of this and gets out of it like almost immediately, like jawbreaker, like barely no. even locks in. <laughs> Which I did like the kayfabe of that of like of like I know this is a standard move, but this is like a patented Jeff Jarrett move, so he mm. knows how to get out of it. I, I don't want to compare it to Owen Hart knowing how to counter the sharpshooter, but you know, kind of like that. Kind of. I mean, that makes sense though. Like if you trained with someone who's. The final move ends up being the sharpshooter. If you train with them your whole upbringing, you know, you've, you've also been trained on how to counter it. We get a backbreaker from Ben Wall followed by some big chops and, and triple mm-hmm. Germans with a bridge. Do love a triple German. I think like that's, that's like our best combo because I see those chops and I'm just like, yes. I'm trying to think of like what we can call the triple Germans. Like a Guten Tag. I mean, we're running out of time, Emily. This show's going to get so much less interesting when all these people leave. Creative control come out to ringside as Benoit hits a snap suplex. Benoit gets dropped on the top rope and falls to the floor. Like he crashes and burns, and it's probably like only half C. And then in a confusing spot, which doesn't really get brought up later, I thought it would. Benoit is like getting counted out. The referee gets to like six or seven. Benoit's not moved, and Jeff Jarrett goes out to get him. Yeah, I will never understand why he did that. Like. I Story thought they would reference like, this it. later, but because no. I mean, there's an element of like, no, I like pride. I want to beat him, but that's kind of a face thing, and Jared's definitely not that, right? So he brings Benoit back in. We get a diving crossbody from Jared, but Benoit rolls through, almost gets a pin. Back suplex from Benoit follows up with a big diving headbutt, but Benoit is pulled off the pin by Creative Control. The one member who pulls him out kind of distracts the ref. The other member of Creative Control and Jeff Jarrett beat down Chris Benoit, including a stroke from, from Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett goes for the pin, but Dustin Rhodes runs out. Call him by his given name. Seven. I will only refer to him as Seven. He's until, not... he, until he apologizes for what he's done. This is Seven. Uh, careful, he might block us on Twitter. Bummer! Twitter's dying anyway. If we talk about Black Ray and he's going to really block us on Twitter. Bummer. So he brawls with one of Creative Control. The I don't even know which one's which. Neither does Neither, commentary, yeah. and I think it's hilarious that the, they don't know. The other member of Creative Control um, goes to give Jared the guitar, but Benoit like stops it, and him and Jared both kind of try for the guitar. Benoit gets it and fucking smashes Jared. 
oh, over yeah. the head with the guitar. There's some like pent up rage in that smash. Yeah. Well, you were noting that the guitar was already a little bit broken. and It was. When Creative Control handed it to Jeff Jarrett in the ring, it like it grazed the ring floor, I guess, and it cracked. Like there was a piece of it in the corner. Well, I'm wondering if that's part of why what happens because this busts Jeff Jarrett open hard way. Yeah. Which like that has to suck. Yeah, probably. Benoit hits Jared with the guitar, Jared's busted open, and Benoit gets the pin, like, right as Creative Control, like, trying to stop it. To the point where it almost looked like Creative Control was late, but it was, like, so perfectly timed. Yeah, it, it was great storytelling there of, like, <laughs> admittedly, I'm almost curious, like, wh- what would the referee have done if Creative, if he got there in time? Because, like, yeah. that's clear outside interference. But, yeah. Yeah, so Benoit overcomes the odds, but then uh, he pays for it because he gets beat down by Creative Control and Jared after the bell. Security eventually stops them. They take their time. Yeah, and then they head to the back. I thought this was a really good match. It was a good start. It's a bit of a messy ending, but I follow the logic from it. You were asking why Dustin Rhodes was there. He did say he was going to make the powers that be's lives hell, and, you know, Jarrett's the golden boy. I guess, yeah. I thought it made Benoit look strong, which is you kind of need going when you're about to have him main event your pay-per-view for the title. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a good match. Like, I won't say that it wasn't. It was... Very yeah. hot crowd, very good match, like yeah. good starter, yeah. Yeah, and the in reaction, you know, held up. And yeah. Would, again, would you believe it? You give you give these guys time, they can wrestle. Right. Then go backstage. Mike tonight interviews the Disco Inferno, and he asks him about like, hey, this twenty five thousand dollars stipulation is kind of weird. Disco only says a little bit, and then Jeff Jarrett comes back through the curtain and just beats the shit out of Disco. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I, I think he was just, like, coming back from the ring hot. He just wanted to beat up the first person he saw, and it yeah, happened to be Disco. That's what it was. So then we still get uh, Disco's match. It's Evan Courageous with Medusa versus the Disco Inferno for the Cruiserweight title and for the $25,000. This is the first time they're mentioning the money, right? They men- No, they mentioned it. Uh, we-, we talked about this last episode. Oh, they yeah. They mentioned it at Nitro, but they kind of mentioned it out of nowhere. Okay, yeah. This is the first time they kind of actually spelled it out. Evan Courageous and Medusa come out, and then Disco Fever hits, which both of us just, I don't know why in that moment, both of us were like, this does still slap. This is the only, like, this is one of the very few themes that has not changed since the beginning of this. It it still slaps. Like, it doesn't need to change. It is perfect how it is. Disco does not come out to the ring, so Tony Marinara makes him go out to the ring. Yeah, like, pushes him out. This poor guy was just beat down. Yeah, so Disco just got beat down. Finally goes out to the ring. Evan Courage just tacks him on the fucking ramp. What a heel. Yeah, I know. What the fuck was that about, Evan? And then the, ref, mean, then the ref rings the bell to start the match while they're I, on the I ramp. I do like, get Evan's, you know, I get his mindset of just get it over with quick. Yeah. I want the money. I'm going to kick him while he's down, especially when there's money on the line. Yeah. Makes him sound like a jerk. I mean, yeah, he is a jerk, but... There's money yeah. on the line. Yeah. He's already down. This seems like an easy win for Evan. So, yeah. And this is not an ODQ match. I don't know why the ref's ringing the bell while yeah, they're brawling on explain. the stage. I'm like, yeah. Can't explain that one to you. I'm like, are you ringing the bell to end the match? Oh, no. Just start it. Okay. Courageous works over Disco. And this is where my notes are going to have to get uh, focused because <laughs> uh, we have Tony, Tony, and Bobby on commentary. And I just wrote Tony for a lot of these notes. Oh, God. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> Write Shivani or S. <laughs> Yeah, so Tony Marinara hops on commentary, and uh, one of the first, like, ten words out of his mouth is, forget about it. Hey, which, oh. Which is just one word. Forget about it. There's an H in there. He tries to, like, 
I don't want to say break the fourth wall, but he tries to break kayfabe a little bit by talking about how Disco Inferno doesn't owe him money. Glenn Gilberti does. Who, though? Except he calls him Gen Gilbretti. Oh, he butchers the name horribly. Yeah. Tw- like he, twice. The first time he says it, he like starts saying Glenn, and then he calls him Gen, and then... Yeah, he just he can not get it <laughs> yeah, straight. I don't know, but the whole kayfabe of it is that Tony and Glenn like were childhood friends or something, and Disco slash Glenn owes his father forty five thousand dollars. Disco would be called Glenn. Just I know, <laughs> but he owes him forty five thousand dollars, not twenty five thousand dollars. So why oh. is this match for twenty five thousand dollars? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I thought he it still was more money. I thought it was twenty five, but no, he owes forty five. Well. Tony Marinara is here on behalf of his dad, and I have to... Oh, God. It was so Italian. I need to fucking read it. De Copa de Copa. Oh, I did not catch... It was just Italian syllables. Oh! His name may as well have been Baba da Boopy. It's a fucking pizza! Oh! oh. Hey! I'm walking here. Hey, got the gabagool. So Disco finally gains the advantage <laughs> in this match. I could not focus on this match. Tony Marinara derailed me. Oh, he was the best part of this match. It was a good match, but Tony Marinara on commentary, he should be a mainstay. Well, one, I don't know about that. Two, we chatted about this a little bit. I think overall, we were both neutral to positive on this show. This show is yeah. littered with negative star matches, and this is one of them. Understand. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. This was a pretty good match. Or have or have we just finally hit the point where we are grading on a curve? I mean, that might that may be it, but this really didn't feel insultingly bad. It didn't no, feel like it. It was a little, a little sloppy, but. It didn't, it wasn't like yeah. negative star sloppy. Yeah, we've seen a lot worse in the recent weeks. Yeah. And Tony Marinara should at least be a star on his own. Tony Give Mar- him one star. Well, Tony Marinara calls Tony Shivani Tony Bag of Donuts. And that like got you in the giggles so bad. <laughs> just, I just always laugh at that name. <laughs> Tony Bag of Donuts. <laughs> it's like it's always Tony Bag of Donuts. It's never any other name. Start calling you Nikki Bag of Donuts. It doesn't work as well. Rocco Bag of Donuts. Tony is such an Italian name. Rocco's not. That that's like that's like Italy Italian. <laughs> but what? <laughs> Tony is New York Italian. Oh my god. I swear to God, they're gonna go out there as Tony Marinara. You're gonna bring him that goddamn sauce. <laughs> Which I guess would imply that he blades. He does not. That's true. He even could have at one point. But uh, Disco hits a brain buster in the ring. And I'm t- yeah, this is where I actually noted. I'm like, I, I, there's a match happening here. I can't call. Did you catch the reasoning for why Disco owes a bunch of money? Oh, they were doing like betting on like wrestling matches, right? No. They were betting on something. They were betting on the previous NCAA tournament. Oh, basketball. No idea. So the bet that Disco made is he bet on Duke to win the March Madness tournament. I feel like that's a safe bet because isn't Duke really good? I just looked it up. They actually made it to the final game. They oh, lost okay. by they lost by three points. Oh, so it was a pretty good bet. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like Disco bet on the University of American Samoa, you know? <laughs> breaking back those Breaking Bad references. But yeah, he apparently, the, the bet did not pay off. So anyway, match. Disco hits a Russian leg sweep. Brett's rope elbow. Evan Courageous gets thrown to the floor and Medusa helps him up and that's just kind of it. He was like, what? Medusa and her titties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did not mention them. They were prominent, but like they're always prominent. But they were like, if she move, if the wind blows too hard, it's going to be a problem. Disco tries for a dive from the apron, but Evan Courageous counters with a drop kick. The thing that I always notice with the girls and their titty outfits, I am a well-endowed woman. That's not comfortable. 
That's a really uncomfortable setup those girls have going on. Why are you agreeing to that? Is it really worth it? Back inside, we get a power slam from Courageous, and then some like random boring chance. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, feel I didn't like really get was that. Super warranted. Maybe what I was thinking was maybe it was boring to the audience because it was really entertaining to us because of commentary. Well, it's also one of those things where Emily, what's the build for this match? There is none. Yeah, but like it still was not a bad match on its own, and the commentary helped. But without the commentary, I can see how people would not be into this. Which, relatedly, I think um, going into some of these matches, I'm going to ask you, what's the build for this match? Just give me the kind of perspective, because I imagine there's some people who like to just listen to our uh, pay-per-view episodes and skip the Nitros. So, I don't understand why they would do that. The Nitros yeah. are where all the good content oh, is. Oh, agreed. Want Listen to the Nitros. Yeah, you want, you want to hear about all the random bullshit. You oh, you listen. want to hear about it. Yeah, it, it, it's the Nitros. You want to just like hear us talk about some matches. It's like, okay, weird, weird, but okay. <laughs> Sounds fake, but... <laughs> but anyway, I feel like the boring chance could be warranted. They actually, well, they faded pretty quick. It was like, we heard it and then it just went out. I, I don't know, I would, but they might have just muted it as yeah, well. Yeah, it, was, I don't it know. could be just like crowd muting yeah disco gains the advantage and then he goes to medusa out on the floor for some reason he goes to hit on her right now distract her i mean the way that it worked out was it distracted evan enough to get evan out of the ring get disco to have the advantage but disco already already had the advantage when he went to the outside giving him extra help or something i I don't don't know know. It it was just like oh this is a spot in the match so we have to go do this that one didn't offend me that one made sense to me it was the fact that he like he was on offense and then went, oh, here's this woman mostly minding her own business. Let's go out here now. Yes, that's such a random thing for men to do. Men would never just bother a woman who's minding her own business. Not during their not during a wrestling match. Men will take any opportunity. So anyway, Medusa slaps Disco. She rejects it. And we, I guess we didn't mention that um, on commentary for a lot of this, Tony Marinara keeps commenting about Medusa. Like, oh, what a uh, you know spicy tamale or whatever. Maybe uh, bringing in a little bit of Taz into this. Yeah, that's... I don't think you oh, called her a tamale. Oh, she's a tomato, Cole. <laughs> Tamale's Mexican. He's what a, Italian. Whatever. So yeah, so Tony Marinara goes over, and but she rejects him. So Courageous confronts him. Everyone's chatting. Disco slips to the outside, grabs a chair, and goes to hit somebody. I don't even I don't know that he really cared between Medusa and Courageous who he hit, but um, fortunately for him, they all move and he hits Tony Marinara. The one thing he didn't want to happen. Disco in storyline is horrified about what he's just done. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, yeah, he just hit the man who he owes money to. Yeah. He then gets thrown back in the ring. Courageous hits a springboard crossbody and gets the pin. New cruiserweight champion, Evan Courageous. That's not going to last long. And he also has won $25,000, which... They don't mention at all. Yeah, I I have a feeling he's not going to be paid that considering Disco owes money. Also, like, I don't know what Disco's annual pay is. We could probably actually look it up, but I think he'd be fine. Just give him a little bit of time. He's probably going to get paid that soon. True. I'd be willing to bet significant money that man is making six figures a year. Yeah, at this point still, probably. Get a good little makeout session in the ring, though. Yeah, <laughs> Evan Courageous and Medusa are just... They're a little coy at first until they're very they much are not. They coy. No, they're like... Because I was like, oh, are you being a little... Oh, no, 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 you're not. No, okay. I don't think there was anything coy about that. If you're looking for one of their tongues, it's in the middle of the other one's throat. Disco carries Tony the back, and I was like, that's an interesting... Like, I feel like I'd run. I wouldn't help the guy to the back. Well, he knows he's not going to get out of it. He's not going to... If he runs, it's worse. And he's not going to run away fast enough. Like, he's not going to run away from the problem. 
I'd still Tony run. knows where Disco is going to be tomorrow night. Based on how they're, they're they're framing this, they're like his life hangs in the balance. I don't. I think maybe I'd uh, I'd start over. I don't think you can run that fast. I think Tony would find him. I don't think Tony's working alone either. Well, he's I, not. If he... I know anything about you know Italian mobsters, they don't work in they don't work alone. Well, you know he has De Copa de Copa. Who? <laughs> his dad. Uh, yeah, this was a this was an all right match. It wasn't a negative one star match. I but no, I don't to, Tony Marinara just I don't want to call it a cloud, but he he uh, he hangs over this match in a good way. I liked him. Backstage, Bret Hart arrives. We then go to the room. So I guess as we're still calling it, right? Didn't we just come up with that last night? I don't know. You think we didn't come up with that meantime? on the last podcast? I, I said it in jest, and you're like, oh, I like that. I do like it. <laughs> we go to the room. So. Jeff Jarrett and Russo argue. Jarrett has until the end of the night to prove himself. Because Russo's like, mean anything. Russo's like, I, I gave you a fucking chance. You were supposed to win that match, and you fucked up. So, honestly, th- that was that was a shadow of dread in this show for me a little bit because I'm like, fuck. So basically, I just have Jeff Jarrett interference looming in every match now. Pretty much, and it does. Yeah. Then you get Mean Gene interviewing Norman Smiley. Norman says he's a consummate professional, but then scared by a noise, and Gene is like. Pull yourself together. What the fuck, man? What he's is- also in um, full hockey garb. Yes. Pads in, and all. Yeah, he's wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs, sorry, Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. And some like goalie shin guards kind of thing. Yeah, he's not wearing a, um, a mask. Which we'll get to in a minute. Because our next match is Brian Nobbs with Jimmy Hart versus Screaming Norman Smiley for the hardcore title. Which is a cool new belt. Yeah, in a hardcore match. Better than the shitty trophy that Finley had. Yeah, no, I like this belt a lot. Yeah. Jimmy Hart has the card of weapons with him, and um, Norman has a mask with him, but it's like a shiny, like, face. Yeah, it's not a hockey mask. It's like a Halloween mask. Yeah, it was a weird choice. It doesn't stay on for very long. No. It doesn't go on very easily either. You liked the title? I do, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... You don't like the belt? I thought it was all right. It was all right to passable. I really liked it. I think it's the fact that the WWF one has so much character to it that it was just like, this is a belt. I disagree. I think this one also has some character to it. I mean, a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah, the WWF one is, you know, a little bit more rough around the edges, but I don't know. I think this one's still good, too. I'd give it a C plus, B minus, somewhere in there. Yeah, I still think it looks cool. Honestly, looking at it again, it has some knockoff ECW vibes. Which, like, isn't a bad thing. Uh, the fact that Jimmy Hart's involved really makes me laugh because well, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. Discount music, discount title. There you go. Whatever. I think it's a nice belt. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not bad. So we were talking about Norman's mask. Nobbs pulls it off almost immediately. Like, oh, yeah. That's it. So that's, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It hits multiple trash can shots and multiple trash can lid shots. They really love those trash can lids. Well, they make a good noise. They really do. Norman screams through a lot of this. Nobbs goes for a diving trash can shot but misses and... Jimmy Hart goes to throw a trash can into the ring for Brian Nobbs, but Norman Smiley catches it and hits Nobbs over the head. He then puts the can over Nobbs' head and, and uses a hockey stick to hit Nobbs multiple times. And then we get a big wiggle, like two Nobbs. Nobbs is having none of it. And like, no, and just beats the shit out of Norman Wasn't for a minute. Wasn't he still in the can when he gets the big wiggle? I think he either slips out of the can in the middle of it or he was out of the mm. can by then. Nobbs takes the padding off of Norman in no, a he, spot. No, he that, doesn't. In a spot that takes a fucking he while. He cannot get those pads off. Yeah. It takes... It, you can't even say that he gets the pads off in this move because there's like two other moves that happen and then he kind of gets one yeah, off. He takes the padding off and then it takes slow so they have to do a move and then it's like, okay, well now he's taking the pad off. Norman kind of counters after one of them is taken off 
and goes after Jimmy Hart. But Nobbs throws a trash can to ringside, like headshots Norman with it. I always love those. Just the, the, the throwing weapon shots. Oh, yeah. With Jimmy throwing it into the ring. I love that. No, no, no. The opposite. When, when, when someone throws a weapon as opposed to like swinging it, I always love that. <laughs> I like. I think back to when we did um, ECW Barely Legal and Sandman just throwing shit into the ring and it, every time it hit fucking Terry Funk. Mm. Classic. We get repeated lid shots to Norman and then they brawl up the ramp and there's a weird point where nick patrick comes straight over to brian knobs and clearly talks to him and i'm like i don't know what you told him it was so maybe like, it was a time check i maybe but he just like suddenly confronted him and just clearly said something and i'm like i don't know what that was but okay they brawl backstage with various weapon shots just kind of trading norman gets thrown through a table set up up against a wall and well, he sets up the table and he breaks it himself in the process. He like rips the, the metal, um, the the ribbing of the table. He rips that off while he's setting up the table. So the silly action continues. Um, Jimmy gives Nobbs a crutch who breaks it over Norman. And the crowd does pop every time Norman screams. I mean, it's a good scream. They then brawl towards like a food area. And Jimmy Hart gets on a ladder and is just throwing soup cans at Norman <laughs> Smiley. Like, this it's very dangerous. like Donkey Kong esque. I wish we had episode art because I would want to see that. <laughs> Eight bit Jimmy Hart as yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah, but no, they were in like a, a concession storage room, so that was probably like beans for nachos or something. I did find it funny because I think earlier in the night before we watched this, we watched the Steve Austin Booker T Supermarket oh. segment, and I'm just what like a classic. Match. I'm like ah. Throwing food around the way to win Emily's heart. It's so good. I love that match so Hart. much. I love it. In a spot I liked, they call for the freight elevator and they brawl in the elevator. The um, doors close. So the doors close and we're like, are they going to go somewhere else? And they, Oh, no, the door just opens. I don't know how it would have happened, but I really wanted there to somehow be a third person when the doors opened. <laughs> Instead, the door is open, Jimmy Hart swings, and he assumes he's hitting Norman. He actually hits Nobbs. Norman gets the pin and has won the hardcore title. Woo! Brian Nobbs is mad about this, throws both Norman and Jimmy Hart into a thing of buns, and uh, that's it. But yeah, new hardcore champion, Norman Smiley, kind of lost in the in the end of that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not unexpected. The way they've been building him, like, of course he's oh, going to yeah. be the hardcore champion. Yeah, it's what I, was, I, just, I wish he kind of had a little, little bit more of a moment. But this was all right. It's a little less fun than some of the Norman stuff more recently. But it was, you know. It was good. It was some trash brawling. It was, yeah. Eh, it's fine. I like Norman as the hardcore champion. I'm, I think some of it is just that I'm not as into Brian Nobbs. Oh, I'm not in Brian Nobbs at all. Yeah, I feel like Brian Nobbs... I'm tired of him. I want him to be gone. ...wasn't willing to have as much fun with it no. as some other people would. No. He yeah. doesn't want to have fun. He's not fun to watch. He doesn't want to have fun in the ring. Everything's very serious with Brian. I don't like watching him. He just wants to be nasty. I don't care. Go away. Get back to ECW. I feel like they weren't in ECW all that long. Well, maybe there's a reason. I don't think he comes to WWF. No, he goes to TNA. Yeah, a, I think there's a lot of reasons. Well, actually, he he and Jimmy Hart do the XWF, and then uh, and then eventually he'll turn up for a good bit of Hogan knows best. Either way, not fun to watch. Don't like Brian. He can leave. We go from that to a Revolution Filthy Animals hype package, and then Mike tonight interviews the Revolution about the like what ifs of tonight. Like, oh, like what if <laughs> it just ends up with Tori? What if it does this? And then Shane Douglas answers. 
Calls Tori a Barbie doll wannabe about six times. Dean Malenko answers, but Dean Malenko gets interrupted by Perry Saturn. <laughs> and Perry Saturn just starts going off about the fucking dinosaurs. What if the dinosaurs were still alive? <laughs> I, th- I thought it was... They were... What if the dinosaurs were still alive and they'd be crapping everywhere? And it's like, I know we, like, eradicated the dinosaurs. And you're thinking, wait, didn't the comet do? It's like, oh, but, like, what if? And I'm like, wait, what? He just goes on a whole fucking random, like, this is Perry Saturn and Moppy before that was a fucking thing. I know. And I think that, like, I gave him, I think I judged him too harshly with Moppy in WWF because, like, this is fun. This is charming. I kind of love Perry Saturn. Well, it also helps that Shane Douglas, Asia, and Dean Malenko are all looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no one else is on board with this. I'm just this like, is something that he has been thinking about for a long time, and he finally got an outlet to say it. Yeah. I mean, they go to Gene interviewing the filthy animals, and I think this this is probably borders on Emily's best bit of the night. This whole, like, the Tanae interview and the Mean Gene interview, these are both great. Because you love it so much, I'll let you describe the I have no the idea what the hell the filthy animals were talking about. No, just the but, first bit. That's all I, I care about here. But Mean Gene asks something of conan and conan just looks at him and he's like what is it tonight the hat or the belt and without skipping a beat gene is just like the hat and so conan says feel it that's enough like there was a it was so expected like i love that gene had an answer he's a fucking professional he had obviously like he did not even think about it for a second he's like the second I get an opportunity to touch that hat, I'm going to touch that fucking hat. <laughs> I think it was, you know, Gene's felt the title belt before. Like, shit, that hat looks cozy. I need to feel that. <laughs> Which is it? The belt or the hat? The hat. Feel. That's enough. Tori basically isn't worrying too much about the match for some reason. I guess we'll never know why. We then actually get the match. It's the revolution consisting of Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Asia versus the filthy animals consisting... Of Billy Kidman, Eddie Guerrero, and Tori Wilson in an elimination six-person tag match. So I have a conspiracy with Tori's outfit. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Any millennial girl knows what I'm talking about when I talk about the Britney Spears Oops, I Did It Again jumpsuit. The bright red leather I could be wrong. I feel like this is not the first time this outfit's come up Probably not because it's iconic. That... Music video and the song came out in the year 2000. Tori comes to the ring wearing bright red leather pants and a bright red leather top with red leather gloves. You're telling me that Britney Spears didn't watch us and be like, mm, that. Britney Spears watched Tori Wilson and got the inspiration. You're saying Tori Wilson walked so Britney Spears could run? Literally, yes. This outfit, in this instance, at least alone, this there is a connection here. There can't not be. The timing is too close. It's too iconic. Like, come on. So the match starts, and um, within the first 30 seconds, the filthy animals just punch Asia right in the face. And I'm like, okay, so that's how we're going to treat this. Okay, cool. Feminism. Everybody's equal. They clean house, and then Eddie and Dean start. Perry Saturn tags in, hits a springboard moonsault onto Eddie and Dean. And I'm like, okay, you hit your own partner there. Kind of weird. And then Kidman dives onto just Saturn, and I'm like, there you go. Smart man. Well, if I may be so bold as to make a Pokemon reference, it's like when you have to do a doubles match, and the only move that you have that'll do any kind of damage on another one is one that'll affect all three of the other people in the match, which includes your partner. But you know that your partner can take a little bit of that damage and be fine. 
So you do the super effective move on your opponent when, you're, when your um, partner can only take just like a little bit of damage. It'll still hit them. See, you'd earn more credit if you could think of a flying type move that had this. Cause only, I was thinking of Earthquake, but I'm Bulldoze like... Bulldoze uh, is the one I'm thinking of. No, Bulldoze bull doesn't hit both partners. Yeah, it does. Does it? Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait, hit, hit, hit. I know this because wait. I just fought that gym. Wait, it hits your partner too? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I guess it is discount Earthquake, so that makes sense. But uh. I'm just saying, sometimes your partner has to take a little bit of damage so your opponent can take a lot. He hit them both evenly. Shut up. There's no type advantage in WCW. Oh, there's not? <laughs> So why are you making Pokemon references every week? I don't think I have any for this for this show. Oh, good. I'm glad I got actually, one in then. Actually, that might be a lie. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Actually, I'm thinking of what I can make later. So we're good. We didn't get a weird moment of Dean Malenko on the outside where like a fan kind of touches him and Dean's like, what the fuck? And then the fan jabs him with the flag. Yeah, I can and, do the play by play for this of what happened. Yeah, you should go ahead. So Dean's on the outside. A fan is in the front row with a Canadian flag. He's like got the face paint, the maple leaf jersey, waving the flag. The flag brushes against Dean. Dean freaks out, looks at him, doesn't really like say anything, just kind of turns and looks at him. And then the the fan kind of says something that gets Dean to say something back and fire him up. And the guy with the flag jabs the flag at Dean, which gets Dean, you know, angry. And then security comes out and carts the guy with the flag away. On a weird delay, I did note. This will come up later. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm mad about it. I don't know if this person's a plant or an inspiration, admittedly. Oh, plant. 100%. Based on later, plant. 100%. 100% plant. Can't, won't even like hear inspiration. No way. I don't know. It's such an elaborate ruse later that I'm like, yeah. No, plant. They planned this. Okay. I thought it was authentic when I saw this at the first time. I'm saying in kayfabe. Did Dean Malenko, Oh, you're talking about kayfabe? Did Dean Malenko plant this person or did he get inspired? Oh, kayfabe inspiration. Kayfabe. Okay. I thought you meant like WCW no, on the no, fly. No, 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 no. I was I like, meant, oh, this so, fan, let's let's recreate him an no, hour meant, and a half later. I meant, I meant in kayfabe. I'm like, is... Did, no, kayfabe Did Dean Malenko get, get inspired yes. or, did, or did he plant this guy I early? think it's inspiration. I, I don't know that we'll ever get an answer, but I, I'll hear either argument. We then get Tori and Asia fighting the ring for a minute. We get a sky high from Kidman to Asia. Tori has apparently hurt her ankle, so kind of rolls out to ringside. Well, makes sense. All she does is wear six-inch heels. Kidman goes to check on her. Eddie then kind of goes like, no, like, you go wrestle. I'll check on her. Kidman gets rolled up and pinned and eliminated, and then he's pissed off at Eddie Guerrero. Well, he doesn't just... He, like, sh- Eddie shoves Kidman. I th- Eddie's in the corner tending to Tori. Kidman comes over to check on Tori. Eddie like shoves Kidman back into the match, kind of like catches him off of his feet. He rolls back, gets into the pin, and he loses. So yeah, I'd be pissed too. It's my girlfriend. Fuck off, Eddie. So they're down to three on two, but it's pretty much three on one considering one, it's Tori Wilson. Two, she hurt her ankle. Right. The crowd does get behind Eddie during this. We get a diving knee and a backbreaker combo to Eddie. And then we get Conan walking out for some reason. Yeah, why do you leave? I don't understand that. I feel, I, I'm like, okay, he's going to come back. I feel no, like... No, he never he, did. His commentary is like, oh, he's just walking out on his team. That's weird. And I'm like, okay, he's going to like... I know Ray is actually her, but like he's going to bring back Ray or something. And no. No, Conan just, just abandons him. He's done. He's going to go see what's still at the crafty table. Asia hits a pretty nice stalling suplex on Eddie. And I think we continue to be impressed by Asia. She really has gotten significantly better. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate there's no women's division in WCW because I'm like, oh, I wonder. I'd what love they- to see Asia versus Midnight. That'd be a crazy match. Mm-hmm. Midnight gets better. 
We then get Eddie and Dean wrestling for a little bit, and Eddie pins Dean with a Hurricane Rana, and but Perry like immediately rushes the ring and keeps working over Eddie. It's like, all right, you made a little bit of progress, but like you're still down. You get a T-bone suplex to Eddie, and Tori is just like on the floor watching, like not even on the apron. No, she's in like even commentary points out she's in like a manager position. Asia gets a lot of offense in this. Like they are putting her over, and it's and again, wish there was a women's division because I'm like, what are you putting her over for? Yeah, there is really like, no reason. What is the end game with Asia? I, I I want there to be something. I just don't think there is. I can't see what it would be because like the only other woman that they're kind of pushing as a quote unquote wrestler aside from Midnight is like Kimberly. But I think we've seen Kimberly versus Asia before, haven't we? That feels like something we've seen. Yeah, that was in last... like a tag or something. No, that was literally last episode. Was it okay? I mean, I know at least one woman eventually enters the cruiserweight title, but I don't see. I don't know. I am kind of curious to see what they end up doing with her. Because I also, I don't know where else she ends up in the world of wrestling. Yeah, again, I know she's not in WWF. Yeah. I wonder if she goes back to like bodybuilding. Potentially. So we get a spot of Asia holding up Eddie Guerrero for Saturn to kick. But, you know, would you believe it? It's the one thing they didn't want to happen. And Harry We've Saturn had hit, four hit. matches. This has happened in three of them. Saturn hits a super kick on Asia. Eddie dumps him to the floor. Hits a frog splash on Asia. And then pins Asia. And it's down to technically two on one technically it's technically eddie and tori versus perry this is where things slow down quite a bit they trade some sleepers eddie counters a springboard crossbody with a drop kick and then eddie hits a tornado ddt certain hits a death valley driver but eddie guerrero kicks out i guess we didn't note that shane douglas was on commentary for this because he starts oh, yeah. screaming at this point He's on commentary for basically all the Revolution matches because he's yeah. still hurt. He is good on commentary. I just don't really have any note for him on this one. He's good. I feel like he's kind of hitting diminishing returns. Yeah. Where it's like it's just the same thing. You're just yelling every week. Yeah, like, he does. First of all, you're shouting. Eddie's still down after kicking out. Perry tries for a diving elbow but misses. Eddie crawls over the corner to make a tag and is just has that moment of, fuck, I can't tag out. Yeah. Like, like you can see it on his face. It was good acting. Yeah. Like, r- really good bit of, like, in-ring psychology of mm-hmm. just, like, if you're a tag match, like, you still have a partner. <sighs> just that exasperated, damn I it. I need a I... break, but I can't have a break. Because he also kind of, like, he does, like, to pantomime to her, like, no, no, no. It, like, it, it's fine. It's fine. I, mm-hmm. I guess I can keep fucking going. It's fine. We then get a Hurricane Rana from him. Eddie hits a diving crossbody, but Perry rolls through and locks in the rings of Saturn in a really smooth fucking move. There have there. been a lot of really smooth um, counters. I feel like mostly in, into submissions. Yeah, but it's yeah. been good. Oh, lately. you know, I, listen, I'm, I'm enjoying it. There have been it. multiple. So Eddie taps out of the rings of Saturn, and we're down to Tori Wilson versus Perry Saturn. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this was never going to go well. Yeah, well, I, I actually love the end of this match. Yeah. Tori Wilson low blows Perry Saturn and almost pins him. And it's like, holy shit. Oh, that would have been great. But yeah. it wouldn't have really made and sense. And then Shane Douglas gets to the apron to distract the ref. And like a little fucking bitch, Perry Saturn low blows Tori Wilson and pins her. It's like, you couldn't even use a wrestling move. You fucking no. low blow. What a little asshole. A fire with fire. She low blowed him. He low blows her. And then commentary had the fucking gall to be like, oh, I can't. I can't imagine that hurt her as much as it hurts him. Like, well, that's just wrestling. To my ladies out there, when we get kicked in the crotch, does it not hurt? It's still a fucking bone. You're kicking a bone. Uh, listen. We're, we have, we also have nerves down there that can feel pain. Listen, 
I don't want to give them credit for 1999 levels of restraint, but um, we are in the era of masculine women getting low blown, and they're like, "Oh, I bet she has a fucking penis down there, doesn't she?" It's like, oh god, yeah, like trying to get low blown. There yeah. is some salacious commentary. Well, about there was that. all kinds of you know commentary around Asia being trans. Which, like, stupid. I think, uh, well, in this match? No, in 1999. Oh, okay, yeah. 1996. Wait, wait. did you mean China? Chi- I did mean China. I did what you did. I mean, there was a lot of commentary about or around China being trans in the 90s, you know? Yeah. Before trans was, you know, a common thing that was talked about. Yeah, so Perry Saturn wins by low-blowing Tori. It's one of those where, like, it's designed to be a shit finish, and I liked it because of that. Yeah. Because... Listen, option B is Perry Saturn works over Tori Wilson for five minutes, hits the Death Valley driver, locks her in the rings of Saturn. She's screaming for her life. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take him being a little asshole over that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Also, because I feel like this makes the revolution hypocrites of like, they're all like, oh, we're about wrestling and making a change. And you beat this non-wrestler right. with a low blow. It's like, oh. Come on. I, I got a kick out of it. It was a good match. I thought it was fun. Oh, yeah, the match itself crowd was behind eddie guerrero and, mm-hmm. uh, again like there haven't been any stinker matches yet yeah they've been fine they've been incredibly passable not negative stars no emily can i break your heart you do every day of my life the nitro after this is our last eddie guerrero match really yeah damn i don't know why he doesn't make it to 2000 i don't know he might make us a character huh. i don't know what he ha- what happens with him that's a bummer. i just know like Per, like, wrestling match databases, this upcoming week's his last match. That sucks. That's yeah. tomorrow in the timeline for these guys. Yeah. Damn. That sucks. Radicals are about to leave. What's going to fill that spot? <laughs> Baby, it's going to be our backstage segment coming up. Backstage, Jeff Jarrett and Creative Control oh, beat down God. Buff Bagwell. You ready for a whole lot of Buff? He is the stuff. Is he, though? I did get a little hope where I'm like, oh. That's going to be all Jeff Jarrett does. And now I'm like second guessing. I'm like, is that all he does? No, he comes out like three more times, dude. But let's go to Buff's yeah. match. It's Buff Bagwell versus Kurt Hennig in a loser must hang up his boots match, which something about this just screamed. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Especially they- after last week's, um, you know, if I get pinned, I yeah, retire. I, I feel like this would be a segment on Nitro where... Um, Kurt Hennings to have some boots hung up on the wall. Yeah. Like, I got new boots. Exactly. Because they keep saying he has to hang up. They never say retire. They say hang up his boots a million fucking times. We do get a recap of Kurt Hennings shenanigans of not getting retired. Buffs music starts and then stops. Pause. Music hits again. Jeff Jarrett then comes out instead. Hey. There's and, your boy. And I don't get it. Because they get in the ring to, like, come beat up Kurt Hennig. And I'm like, so Jared's plan is I'm going to derail the whole show. But the bell rings. <laughs> yes. Because Hennig hits creative control as they come in. The bell rings. He. So it's fine. Yeah. Buff then comes out with a two by four and the heels bail. And I'm like. So clearly he wasn't that beat down because he ran down pretty fine. Yeah. Like, 30 like, seconds later. I'm like, okay, I guess we're not doing that match. And then he gets buff, and the, like the ref is is like, "All right, cool, a match." And I'm like, "Wait, so what did you ring the bell for?" I I don't know, man. 
Hennig, in a very common spot in this match, Hennig chokes Buff with the chain around his neck. Yeah, like, it's a lot of necklace-based offense. They brawl around ringside. They almost go back in, but then they don't. <laughs> Get a low blow from Hennig. I'm like, DQ? No. More ringside brawling. They really don't want to do anything in out. Buff pulls Hennig onto the rope and gains control. Yeah, we slow things down for quite a bit. We get two arm drops from Buff, but would you believe it? On the third one, he powers up. Can't can't believe it. Except, nope, they keep it in wrestled. So he does not get fired up. I figured, okay, cool. We're done with that. And then no. Nope, right back to it. Like, why? Holy crap. You guys didn't do anything. Big chop to Buff. Scoop slam and an elbow. We then get a scoop slam from Buff. Do a little dance. Make a little love. But missed the knee drop tonight. <laughs> Good one. I did write this match is going too long. This is definitely the least interesting match so far. I didn't think both these guys were going to get gassed. Like really, although you did note, I don't know, maybe maybe that Royd Belly is uh, slowing down his gas tank. <laughs> it was not as prominent this week. So I think that he took all of his steroids last Monday oh. and they're starting to wear down. So he needs another hit tomorrow night. I don't know how steroids work. <laughs> I think you're really... How often is the dosage? <laughs> I think you're just thinking this like fucking Bane Venom. Just I don't like... know. I don't know how these drug things work. How do you do, fellow kids? So the end of this match is extremely sloppy because Hetty keeps throwing Buff into the corner and running at him and doing a half-assed attack because Buff is supposed to get his foot up on one of these. (laughs) Yeah. And it takes him like three or four fucking tries. He eventually gets his foot up and then hits the blockbuster from from the corner and pins Kurt Hennig. I did write, damn it, 0 out of 10, but it, mostly because Buff didn't retire. But, I don't know, this match wasn't good, but it wasn't, you know. What broke my heart is the crowd gave Kurt Henning a standing ovation. Oh, yeah. As Kurt- if he was walking out and retiring. They were giving him an ovation that they would give someone who just had their last match. Yeah. I know that it wasn't his last match, and that just feels really inauthentic. Yeah, he soaks in the crowd. You can see him yeah. at least fake tear it's up. Maybe fucking ma- shitty. Maybe, maybe really tear up a little bit. Just like, you know, it's one of those, even if you're in a fake retirement, it is nice to know that like... You if, like me. You really like me. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, this match was... Yeah, I don't know how long it went, but I felt like it was five minutes too Far long. Far too long. Really uninteresting. Stupid. Yeah, I almost wonder if, if, if someone like edited a version of this where they cut out the like three or four minutes of rest holds, is this a better match? <sighs> Maybe. Doubtful. Then you go backstage. Mike Tanay interviews Sting. So Mike Tanay has some really hard-hitting questions for Sting in this. <laughs> yes, you, you you locked in on this, I remember. Because this is a joke that my father and I have about something else. Mike Tanay said to Sting, you have a really great strategy tonight. To win. Basically. That's the, that's the meat and potatoes of what he said. Tanay says to Sting, yeah, if you beat Bret Hart in this match, you'll face Chris Benoit for the world title. Cool. But it was like, yeah, you got a really great strategy. If you beat him, you get the world title. Like, that's not the strategy. That's just what a match is. So Sting does have a response here. He, he notes that he, he actually, like, I never lost the title, or at least still should be the, cha- the champion, which, again, fair. He also notes that it's still showtime despite being on Brett's home turf, which brings us into Bret Hart versus Sting for our last semifinals match in the WCW title tournament. Bret Hart comes out in a Wayne Gretzky Canada jersey to a, a really fucking big pop. They love oh, well, Bret Hart. obviously. Here, yeah. it's, we're in Toronto, of course. Uh, Sting is in different gear. You think that he lost a suitcase. 
that that's what I thought when I was reading something. It was like, oh, he's self conscious about his body, so he's wearing a tank top. But he's wearing a tank top and like leather pants. I don't know. It's a weird look. It's not a good look. It's not. It's it's a it's a phone it in look. Yeah, I mean, one the tank top being a a merch tank top of Sting's face doesn't really help. I don't mind leather pants as much. It just kind of looks weird on him. What kind of pants are his normal pants? I thought they were leather with like... No, he wears a, a long singlet. Yeah, but I thought it was kind of leathery. The two shove each other into the corner and then they go nose to nose and push each other again. And... you telling me there's a lot of corner work in this match? I don't know if it's your favorite spot or your least favorite spot because you always want them to kiss. Oh, when they go nose to nose every time I say no kiss. Brett hits punches and headbutts and dumps Sting to the floor. In a back and side, Brett hits a headbutt to the stomach. Tony and Bobby chat about the similar finishers. They're like, oh, it's the same. And I'm like, no, it's totally different. It's the Scorpion Deathlock versus the Sharpshooter. Obviously different. It's the same, but they are actually different. Really? It has to do with what leg. Oh, who cares? (laughs) Brett gets thrown into the corner, but bounces off and knocks Sting down. We get a very blatant low blow from Sting. Like one of the more blatant ones in a long while. And does not equal DQ, though. DQ? Nope. Not today. Sting hits a scoop slam and a jumping elbow drop. They brawl around ringside. Sting crashes onto the announce table as they brawl around. Back inside, Brett gets his feet up in the corner and goes up top. But Brett pulls the referee in the way of a diving attack. And then we get Lex Luger and Liz running out. Oh, thank God. That's what this match was missing. Luger hits Sting with a baseball bat. Brett is not a fan of this and low blows Luger, puts him in the sharpshooter. Referee comes to with Bret Hart Having Lex Luger in the sharpshooter calls for the bell. Yeah, what? I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, yeah, uh, dude, outside interference, Bret Hart has won by DQ. I I wasn't totally following the logic there. Yeah, Bret's not thrilled about this. And I was actually a little relieved. They're like, okay, per Bret Hart's request, this match will keep going. And I know that's not a shoot, but in my brain, I'm like, I know Brett felt that in his bones of like, can we just do a clean fucking finish? Can we have a good goddamn match? So the match keeps going, but Sting's knee is damaged. Brett hits his a Russian leg sweep, backbreaker, Brett's from elbow drop, but it's countered. We have Scorpion Deathlock to Brett, but Brett grabs the ankle and counters it into the sharpshooter and gets the win. See, that's what I'm saying. Like these these submission counters into submissions. Yeah. It's cool. Post-match, Sting tells Brett to come back from celebrating, and they do the shake of hands, like, thanks, for, do- thanks for doing it the right way. Like, Good game. Like, yeah. You- Might as well slap each other's butts. You really should. And keys. I thought the finish of this was great, but the match itself was only okay. I agree. It was it was a Bret Hart match. Oh, that makes me sad. I mean, he's good, and I can. This is weird. I was talking to you about this in the kitchen earlier. He's good, and I can acknowledge that Bret Hart is good. But the thing that I love about this podcast and why we've chosen to do this podcast and watch these shows is for the inherent silliness. So, unfortunately, when a good match happens, I tend to tune it out. The funny thing is, I know you love him. I'm now worried for when Lance Storm turns up in WCW. I I like his promos. I don't pay attention to his matches. I know he's good. I know he's good. I don't care. I want to watch bad matches, especially when I have to talk about them. I will watch good matches and just like sit and watch them. Like they have my attention. But if I have to like sit here and talk about it and like regurgitate it, I remember it better when it's bad. Yeah. And I think there is a threshold to where 
where a match is good and you don't have much to say versus there's a point where the match becomes great and all of a sudden you are like gung-ho yes, to talk about it. that's and true. Just, and this did not have This was level. good. Yeah. It was fine. It was a match. No one was hurt. Everything was passable. I can acknowledge that this is a good match. Sting's leg was hurt by the baseball bat. What are you talking about? Sting is a good wrestler. Bret Hart is a good wrestler. The end. I say, have you finally, I don't want to say forgive, have you finally moved past your Sting anger? I don't know. Sting just kind of has started to annoy me as a character. I'm kind of turning on him in that way. Oh, complicated relationship with Sting. I really do. I really don't like Lex Luger. I know I'm not supposed to, but oh my, you know who else <laughs> I, I don't like? I am so, I'm sorry. We'll talk about this later more. I am so fucking over Miss Elizabeth. She is the worst character on this roster. She has no personality. She doesn't do anything fun or anything like she doesn't wrestle. She just stands there. She's just like, she's nothing. What is she, what does she bring to the table? Literally nothing. What have you done I'm with your opportunities, so Miss Elizabeth? Nothing. Over her. You I want nothing. her to You're leave. Fired. I feel like the only reason she's here is because of her connection with Randy Savage. And like, which isn't even a connection anymore. They are No, divorced. but they have decided that Miss Elizabeth is wrestling royalty and they won't let her go. And she's just there. Why is she there? What does she bring to the table? I don't know what it was about this episode, but I just got really fed up with Miss Elizabeth. I think I might, I might have planted the seeds for this last episode. Did you? I kind of had a similar moment of like, she's... Why the fuck is she here? I say it. Probably a contract. God. But so backstage, Mean Gene interviews Chris Benoit. Benoit says he's waited for this chance to, you know, wrestle for the title and main event for 14 years. And it's an absolute honor to face Brett for the title. They get Mike today interviewing Lex Luger in a neck brace. Like, Claims he can't compete, of course. Yeah, I like barely even caught Brett hitting him with like a base the baseball bat, literally like anywhere around the neck or spine. But I mean, it's bullshit. So I was like, I don't even feel the need to rewind to go yeah, look. No, it's all bullshit. It's clever bullshit, though. I will give him that. Yeah, so he doesn't want to wrestle tonight. I did laugh at his line of like, I will write a personal check to every disappointed Lex Luger fan. I'm like, aha, I'm you know there's check. none of them. <laughs> you know you don't have to write one because nobody likes you. Yeah, you don't have any fans, so they can't be disappointed fans if you don't have any fans. So we will get more of, uh, I guess, Benoit and Luger later tonight, but separately. Oh we then God, go to go. our um, chain match, kind of, no. not really. It's Vampiro with Sorry, Jerry who only. is it? I'm not doing it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not willing to entertain this. Vampiro! 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 Versus Berlin with the wall. Uh, fucking kill me. Vampiro has a new theme. And um, the reason I'm looking at that fucking voice is because basically immediately goddamn Oklahoma and Steve Williams comes out. And he's so annoying. I want to like and respect Steve Williams, but I just... I, I, I don't... Un- he's another one. I don't understand what he brings to the table. Why is he here? Yeah, no, I... He's here because he's friends with Jim Ross and they want to mock Jim Ross. You're not doing anything, though. I, Steve Williams is just standing there. I don't have it in me to look up if Steve Williams ever actually wrestles a match in WCW. I want to experience it organically, but I'm almost wondering. I'm like, are you gonna? I don't know, man. man so... This is a chain match, but it's really more of a dog collar match. Yeah. Like, the chain itself is, like, pretty thin, and they have the dog collars on, and, like, I don't know but what I thought But they never get I... connected to each other. That's a different problem. Berlin and Vampiro never connect. Yeah, because Vampiro puts his end on, and then everyone brawls, Berlin bumps the ref, 
the wall fights with Vampiro as Berlin ties Jerry only to the barricade. By the way, Jerry only is one of the misfits. We should know because okay, because I was wondering like where that name came from. Oh, I think that's his like shoot name. Weird last name. Where does that one come from? I wonder. I don't know. It's only his. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Berlin gets back in the ring and attacks Vampiro. <laughs> and then he like, tells the wall, no, you put on the collar. And he does. Yeah. Why? So I don't have a quote for it here, but I did write, Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Literally. I have Oklahoma is so fucking annoying. Uh, we then get a choke slam from the wall, pin attempt, but Berlin stops it. What is this match? The wall then takes the collar off, walks out. Vampiro hits a spin kick, then a superplex. They try for a double suplex with Vampiro and Jerry only, but he doesn't know how to do the move. And it just like, oh, God, no, I don't <sighs> like he doesn't get the lift and it just no. looks dangerous. You can tell and scary. that he doesn't have the strength in his legs either. They, well, they like start to shake and he gives out a little early. Well, he would, yeah. but the problem is he doesn't put the arm over, so yeah. you can't use any of your like, back and shoulders. Leverage, no. It's just your like arms, basically. Vampire. And I think Vampiro was like, there's two of us. Okay, so I need to like not just do this myself. and Because like, if I do it myself, it's going to like separate and look like shit. So I think really Jerry only yeah, is the only know. one to blame there. <laughs> get it? Only. We then get a nail in the coffin from Vampiro and then a camel clutch. Using the chain, Berlin gives up. Vampiro wins. Steve Williams comes in, beats up the misfit in Vampiro. I fucking hate Oklahoma. I cannot wait for this gimmick to die. Does it? I, I mean, they they get fired at some point. <laughs> I mean, twice. But uh, admittedly, I think like a lot of people, I only knew about the pinata on a pole match. I oh, did, you didn't know about anything else? I didn't know this keeps going. Oh, no, no. And so I have no idea how oh, long it no. goes. I, I know. I know like, you like me being a source of spoilers. I don't have them for you here, Emily. I will say that the uh, screaming vampiro has been in my head ever since we watched this match. Like every couple of minutes, I'll just yell to myself, "Vampiro!" I don't know why. It's in my head. If we ever go to a party, there's a pinata. I worry for you. <laughs> I just worry for you because I feel like you're gonna take it down and then just start randomly holding <laughs> it up throughout the party. And like, Emily, what are you doing? No, no, no. Like, it's up. Do your move. Do your move. <laughs> I'm going to get it. This match was one of the four to get negative stars. See, that makes sense. That's fine. This can have negative stars. And I feel like it has nothing to do with the match itself. No, it's the commentary. I couldn't tell you jack shit about the match itself. Actually, it's funny. I'm looking up um, the ratings on Profile Database. They actually list it as as a dog collar match. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's advertised as a chain match. Well, let's move from one negative one star match to the next. Really? Although actually, hold on, we have uh, we have a couple segments in between. Yeah, uh, we get Mike Dana interviewing Scott Hall, and um, remember how it was going to be Scott Hall versus Rick Steiner for I guess both titles on the line. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. Um, Scott Hall is now a double champion. Scott Hall is Becky Two Belts. So he fucks up his own catchphrase here. He's like, "All right, I'll like I'll wrestle anybody out there," and Mike today's like, "Out where?" And he's like, "Down here." It's like, no, what? <laughs> it doesn't work. What? So, but basically he has an open challenge set for later, which I'm like, okay, I'm curious who you're going to have. A- you were expecting this to be like Lash LaRue. Honestly, my top, the top two things in my brain were Lash LaRue or Jeff Jarrett. I was worried about Jeff Jarrett would have made sense to be honest. Yeah. Spoiler. It's not either of them. No. We think get Kurt Henning leaving. Cool. 
kind of saying some final goodbyes. We get Kimberly arriving, and I'm like, bitch, it is like way too far into the show. Halfway into the show. Like, you don't know when your match is. What if your match was first? Maybe. Maybe. Be a shit open to the pay per view, but you'd be fucked. Actually, maybe not. Maybe, I mean, she she loses by forfeit. Oh, no. Darn. But yeah, let's go to that negative one star match. It is the total package with Miss Elizabeth. Okay. I don't know if this becomes a thing, but I saw a note on the Observer Rewind. Where it's like, there's a chance that Miss Elizabeth, you know how Lex is the total package? Mm-hmm. She's going to be called the hot package. <laughs> Which, like, it's not even wordplay. This is the match where I made my note about Elizabeth. I said, Elizabeth has to be the most boring female character that wrestling has ever written. But yeah, it's total package with, with Elizabeth versus Meng. So I'm going to give Lex some creative credit here. <laughs> oh? I... It is clever. I'm going to give him some clever credit. He comes out in his neck brace and he starts the match in the neck brace. I was like, whoa, I can't have my neck brace. And I thought about it and commentary also noted it. Well, Meng's finishing move is the Tongan neck or death grip where he has to grab the neck. If he's wearing a neck brace, he can't get the death grip. It's clever. Well, here's the problem is that commentary doesn't note that until about 15 seconds before they go for that spot. I think they were cued in to talk about it. Well, it was clever. I'll take it. Luger comes out in the neck brace. Uh, We do get a story recap once Luger's in the ring. Yeah, why? You know, he's in the neck brace. I'm like, okay, this won't be a match. Bell just rings. I'm like, I I know he's faking, but still. Meng does not give two shits. Meng strips Lex. Sexy. Hot. So why the fuck was Elizabeth even there? She's not even doing the tearaway clothes bit. She's fucking useless. Is that what it was? You saw men could do it just as well. And you're <laughs> like, ah. But she's also like standing at ringside as like a quote unquote manager doing literally nothing. I don't think her face moves like once. So Emily, I lied to you. You do that a lot. Meng works over Lex until Lex pokes him in the eye and, and, and hits suplex. It's not very effective, though, much like using Scratch on an Onyx. I knew you had one. We go outside and brawl for a little bit. We go back inside. Meng goes with the tongue and death grip, but the brace protects Luger, much like using the move protect. So here's the thing. We stopped watching together around this point. So these notes from Nick moving forward are from like 2 o'clock in the morning. No, no, no. So they're going to get pretty no, unhinged. No, only the main event ones are. It's only the end, although... You're unhinged. Although it was one of those where I did make it past your breaking point, so, you know, take that as you will. I... I did kind of bust out laughing to myself because Luger gets choked in the corner and just literally yells, help! (laughs) (laughs) Bad power slam from Luger and he slams Mang into the corners, which just seems to piss Mang off more than anything. He does the head smash and it's 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 like, what the fuck are you doing, sir? Headbutts from Mang followed by a thrust kick. Liz goes to spray Mang with something. Oh my god. But it takes forever, so Meng just like pulls Luger also, in the way. Also, what the fuck is this? I it's don't like know. a flashlight that sprays something out of the bottom of it. I don't know. This, what is this? It's not mace. It's not perfume. Is it just like water vapor? What the fuck? Is she just vaping in people's faces? <laughs> it's 1999. They haven't invented that yet. What is she? Big show at the Hall of Fame. Ugh. Meng removes the neck brace, then hits the tongue and death grip and wins. It, it was all right. I, again, I don't think it was a negative one star match. Like it was fine. Unnecessary. I will give him the creative credit. Yeah. That's all you're getting, though. We go backstage. Mean Gene interviews Bret Hart. Bret says he considers Benoit a friend. And then he's like, cutting a promo is just interrupted by Lex Luger in the background going, like, where's Liz? <laughs> it's like, kind of funny. It kind of rattles Bret. We're like, trying to do a fucking promo. It was kind of funny. 
Somewhere else backstage, David Flair rubs his crowbar, which is not a double entendre. It was very phallic, though. <laughs> then we get Scott Hall with an open challenge for apparently both the U.S. and TV title. Yeah, why would he give up both? Why? I, I did have a theory when I was con- a little confused about whether both titles were on the line or just one. I had a, I had a third contender enter my brain. Oh, who's that? I thought it was me Kevin Nash. I thought that for a second when he was like, Big Kev is on his way. I'm like, nah. No, I was thinking, finger poke. Here, here's a free title for you. Mm. If it was just one on the line. If it was just one, yeah. I got worried there for a minute. I'm like, okay. We get a big pop for the hey-yo. hey Because it's not hey-yo. It's hey Yeah, Hall says that Nash is on his way here. I wrote doubt, but yeah. <laughs> They're going to party later and then... One of those catchphrases that doesn't really ever work. The don't sing it. Bring it. it. And then we get Booker T's music hitting. Which like, thank God. And then stopping. And then hitting again. (laughs) Someone hit that cue a little too early. (laughs) But like it was three seconds. Like what was the point of stopping it? It was the yes, yes. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. And then yes, yes. Okay. No, no. Uh, But I'm like, okay. I'm on board. Yeah. I was really afraid this Scott was going to be a Booker bad T. match. I thought this was going to be like, like I said, Jeff Jarrett, Lash through, fucking nobodies. Yeah. Admittedly, I think partially because it's Canada, Booker tries to hype up the crowd and they're like, no, nah, we like Hall. Which like, why? Is Hall Canadian? I don't know. No. No, he's from Maryland. Yeah. My boy. Southern Maryland boy. No, it's just one of those where boy, Canada you know, likes who they like and they will not follow your face heel dynamic. I feel like Good. you can relate Respect to that. Respect that. Hall works over the arm of Booker and slaps his head. We get a big sidekick from Booker. He starts to work over Hall. Hall gains the advantage back with an eye poke and but a flying forearm sends Hall to the floor. Booker tries for the test of strength, but Hall just goes nope and kicks him. So I, I did notice that when Booker does the test of strength, it looks like the Oogie Boogie fingers. A little bit. I don't know what those are called, but the woo fingers. Yeah. Get a choke bottom from Hall, but Booker kicks out. Fall away, slam, then he clotheslines Booker to the floor. And back inside, he tries to use the, the ropes for like a cheating pin, but he can't reach. <laughs> like you see his feet going like, fuck, give me, get it. <laughs> we do get a great spitting punch from Hall, which I feel like it's an, it's an underrated move of mm. his. Yeah. I don't know, just that big wind-up punch just always looks so damn good. Hall's punches in general usually look pretty good. Mm. You're going to kill me. I heard Glargay sleeper from Hall. Boy, it's not a Glargay sleeper just because Jess Jarrett is on the roster. Um, but it's a sleeper. As something happens in the crowd? Oh, I don't know. Do you catch this? The entire crowd just turns away, and I'm like, I thought What's? somebody was coming out. No, yeah, but no one does. It's because they're looking the wrong way. And then from the other direction... Jeff Jarrett comes out. I'm like, wait. Oh, good point. I'm like, wait. Like, my only thought is, did they accidentally telegraph Midnight walking out? Uh, Well, they wouldn't have popped for that. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, so Jeff Jarrett and Creative Control come out. Because we can't have too much of a good Yeah, as Booker powers out of the sleeper. Scissor kicks, spin a Rooney, and then a Harlem sidekick. Jarrett distracts the ref as Booker fights off Creative Control. Hall he, like, the- destroys them. He does, like, two sidekicks to both of them. It's great. Yeah, he then, like, goes to the corner to kind of jaw at Jarrett, and uh, Hall hits the outsider's edge and gets the pin. I did write Razor's Edge because it was fewer letters. I do think Booker was going to win this. I was uh, actually... The, the, the no, win- as soon as it was both titles on the line, I knew Hall was going to retain, but... 
lights go out and midnight strikes and um. she helps Booker out brawling with everybody and um, that's segment. I swear she looks better. I thought this was a pretty good match. I wish, wish I had more time. I wish we had more time with just Booker and Scott Hall before Jeff Jarrett came out and ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was thoroughly enjoying this match and I mean They ruined term, a good thing. Yeah, it's one of those just like I'm wondering do they not have Nash out there because they wanted a distraction finish and it would have been too many elements. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've seen these two have a couple of matches and they're usually pretty good. We can't have too much of that, though, because uh, they go backstage. Lex Luger's looking for Liz. And then, we go, and then we go to our lowest rated match tonight. It's a negative two star match. No way. It's not even a fucking match. It's Kimberly versus David Flair. He's got negative two stars. Yeah. We get a video package for this one. And the gall of David Flair. Get what? your own theme music. You do not come out to Ric Flair's they music. They both came out to music that's not theirs. Did you know David Flair's shirt? I was not looking. It was hard to read, but it said, nowhere is safe. Oh, God. I didn't look for it too much, and I don't think he really broke much of a sweat, but I was wondering if his eye makeup was going to run during this match. <laughs> I think that would have added to the psychotic look. I think that would have been good. I think it would have killed a little bit because no, I think it'd been great. Well, because that, that means he's not been awake for all this time. Oh, you mean like the under eye? I yeah, think like, like eyeliner. No, something. the like they like try to make him look sleep deprived. Mm. Like I wanted that to start running throughout. I did write, "God damn, Kimberly." I want that shirt. I want. I want you to have that shirt. Remember, like I've been talking about how I want a sparkly shirt for New Year's Eve. Like that's the shirt I want. Give me that. This is not wrestling attire. We'll at least put it at that. But nothing pops. She's taped in there good. Yeah. Because well, also, like, she starts the quote-unquote match by just stretching sexily for about three minutes, it feels like. It's, she's very much starting the, like, I'm going to seduce you to win sort of, I'm so sexy. You can't hurt me. I'm so sexy. Look at me. I'm on my knees. I'm at your oh. dick level. Hold oh. on. We'll get there. Because we'll <laughs> Kimberly low blows David. So he grabs the crowbar and then, like, has to, like, weirdly show he's wearing a cup. Like, he doesn't have the showmanship for it. Like, it, it doesn't get a pop. It just, the no, way he, he sells just, like, it, gestures to his dick. Yeah. He, he, like, punches himself in the dick. Like, yeah, we're in a cup. Like, okay, weird. Like, when you're on hinge, you might just be punching your own dick. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. David then hits the ref. Kimberly then drops to her knees and pleads her case. And, like, literally is like, I'll blow you right here. Right. It starts unbuttoning his yeah, pants. Yeah, she goes for his, his fly. She, like, she legitimately reaches in because he, she pulls out the cup. It's like a jockstrap, right? Is that what a jockstrap is? It, it's a it's. Listen, it looked similar to like what look, I imagine a jockstrap. Look, as looks somebody like. who's been, who you know has done sports with that and and has worn cups, it's always a crapshoot of how the uh, cup is going to be held. But I mean, like it was a cup okay. she pulls out, but sometimes they're held up by jock jockstraps. Sometimes they're held up by sliding shorts. It's all weird. Oh, I understand. So with the cup removed, she then low blows David. She like hits him with the cup. Well, yeah, after that, she rubs the cup on his face, and I'm like, it's kind of fucking gross. Sniff your dick. Yeah, she then chokes him. David pushes her away, grabs the crowbar again. And then you mentioned it last episode. But it's Canyon! Who better than it's Canyon? It's Canyon! I lost my fucking mind. I was so happy you weren't oh, I was like, good. oh my god, it's Canyon! Oh, I lost my mind a good part, a good, good portion of the, la- the end of this match. Because Canyon runs out, saves, so Ki- saves Kimberly. David fucking no-sells Kenya's offense like a dickhead. Like, yeah. He, 
Kenya puts him down and within like four seconds he's just back he's up. back up. And we get DDP coming out making his return. And we got Bam Bam Bigelow in the pre in the in the hype package. So the Jersey boys are back together. <laughs> They're back. Oh my god, what if I'm Tony so what if sad. Tony Marinara starts managing Yo, them? Oh I'd be down. Oh, I was so excited. That was like the best part of the whole night for me so far. Yeah, so David Noble was heartbroken when he said this is a negative two match. Fuck you. Yeah, so David no blows Canyon's offense and then low blows him. DDP hits a diamond cutter and then grabs the, the crowbar and is about to kill David Flair. But it's not over. <laughs> it's not over. <laughs> I wrote, Arn fucking Anderson makes the save. I was like, oh my God. Looking proper fit. <laughs> yeah, oh, she, the game's yeah, all yeah, here. She, yeah, she looked in great shape, admittedly. Oh my God, it was amazing. Uh, and so he makes the save and... Before we get to the goddamn betrayal, did you notice the uh, the fucking rare shiny Pokemon we have here? Mm-mm. DDP's actual music hits for about four seconds. Oh, I did not hear it. You I hear, was I was too excited. You about hear it go happening. self high five, like, <gasps> and immediately that that no good son of a bitch David Flair hits Art Anderson with the crowbar. I but did then write, he like yet- oh, fuck you, David. But David, like, after he hits arm with the crowbar, he, like, yete walks out of the ring. The way that he is, I was like, too angry to notice. The way he's holding his body and, like, moving his legs, it's like he's the yete. So we got, like, reference on reference on reference. The gang is all here. So David leaves the crowd... Security helps Arn as he gets stretchered out. I swear during this, there's take it off chance. I don't know why. <laughs> like, what, like, like what, the neck brace? Oh my god, you're telling me that was a negative two star that match. Was a, that was fucking wild. Like, the, just the hits kept coming. Who just... do you think you are, Dave Meltzer, to give this negative two fucking stars? Who do you think you are? I'd like your receipts. I'd like to have a chat. So yeah, that was a strange match. Oh, but, I loved every but, second of it. Well, I love the second of the match. I love the weird the bell never rang about to end this match by the way well this is what i'm talking about with like this show i love this shit i don't really care about sid versus goldberg i don't really care about benoit versus bret hart i want more of this faff well based on how much time this match gets i don't think the show did either i did note during the hype package because yeah the next match is goldberg versus sid vicious and an i quit match but in the hype package do you know what didn't appear the streak you need to let it go it's over that was months long you need to drop it because i haven't mentioned it in weeks babe but also not pictured in the hype package um the last three weeks of television well no before we go to the actual match mike tonight interviews sid backstage who says he will never quit and will take goldberg apart and then sid comes out it's his other theme weird and i'm like are they alternating i don't know see i didn't catch that this was an old another theme we didn't get the full goldberg entrance i did have a theory here it it didn't end up being true but in the hype package they play the clip of sid's footage of goldberg quitting because vince russo loves to fucking recycle an idea i thought they were going to do a thing of the outsiders play the audio of Sid saying I quit because it's just Sid saying I quit for the Goldberg thing. Do they gonna like splice that audio and play that so that Sid loses? <laughs> that was my prediction. It's not what it ends up being, but yeah, Jesus, that would almost be a better fucking finish than what we get. It would not be surprising. 
They start brawling, big Oklahoma slam from Goldberg, and this leads to large Goldberg sucks chance. I was trying to think of a good, like, Bret Hart joke to throw in here. Of like, wow, all of Canada also agrees with Bret Hart about well, Goldberg. I mean, the last time they were in Canada was one of our best bits of season one, which is the steel plate segment. Oh, I did love that. That yeah, was great. But that was the last time they were in Canada. So I'm like, do they still see him as, you know, the anti-Bret? Maybe. Sid hits strikes and, hit, and then hits a Cobra Clutch slam. They trade more strikes. Sid hits a choke slam, but Goldberg doesn't quit. I'm like, yeah, duh. Sid hits another choke slam, but no quit, so Sid chokes him. I did get a big kick at a fucking Sid Jericho here choking him. Ask him! Yes, I did catch that. <laughs> Goldberg locks in an arm bar as the Goldberg sucks chants grow. Goldberg punches Sid on the mat and just keeps hitting strikes. He then locks in a cobra clutch and kind of like grapevines around Sid and the ref calls for the bell. That's it. Goldberg wins. Yeah, because Sid was knocked out fucking cold. It's an I quit match. You have to verbally quit. He was he was out cold. Yeah. I mean, also, it, I mean, it was a weird. You're saying that like there was no submission there. Like, no, no, no. Sid was entirely out. I had an argument in a in a past match that was like an I quit or like something. No, with it, Sid. It, it was it was the last Sid match where it was a it was a regular match ended by ref stoppage. The whole thing with the I quit match is you have to verbally say I quit, where people really have to like people have poured water on their opponent to like wake them back up because they've passed out. I don't have a problem with this. I mean, I to be fair, I think I, I had a bigger problem with it because it was a random submission hold five minutes into a match. It was a Goldberg like, match. Yeah, they don't I don't go know, wrong. just. I I I real I did not like this at all. Because, I had no problem because, with it. It was a Sid Goldberg match. Well, my other problem was the last time they had a match, it ended by a ref stoppage, and you just do the same finish. Because what these men the are whole too reason you proud. did this match was to give it a cleaner finish. Why do it again? You're going into your Jerry Seinfeld impression. Uh, I I hated this. I had no passion about this whatsoever. I could not give two fucking shits about this match. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. I mean, I think that it doesn't seem like they're trying to recycle the Steve Austin. Oh, he didn't quit. He passed out from the pain. Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. He did not quit. So yeah. Sid, does, Sid gets to hold the I didn't say I quit. Yeah. But and, he passed out. Like, they panned yeah. back to him. He was out cold. Yeah. It was also just, you know, visually unremarkable move from Goldberg and... It was an unremarkable I, match, but it was a Sid Goldberg match. It's exactly what I expected from this match. I want a big meaty man slapping meat. Well, I mean, you know how I feel about that, too. Yeah, I just... God, I wanted one of these matches to be fun, and neither of them were. No, you don't get fun. No, clearly not. I really did the wind out of my sails. And it kind of did on the night, too. But let's go backstage for the main event. Gene, mean Gene interviews Lex Luger. Luger says Liz is... Luger says Liz screwed up bad, and he doesn't get mad. He gets even. I'm like, what are you going to do? Don't get mad. Get even. Let's go to our main event. It's the WCW title tournament finals for the WCW title. It is Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit. We do get a nice touch of like the tracking shots of the wrestlers like walking to gorilla position. Oh, yeah. And that gives me my MVP for the night. The dude behind Bret Hart just frantically feeding cable to the guy holding the camera. He was the only one. Like Everyone else was standing stoic watching Bret. He was fucking working. WWF would do a nice touch with this where it, here they cut to Benoit. He does his entrance and they cut to Brett. WWF will cut to both Ben walking towards Gorilla 
and they'll play like the cage lo- lowering music, just like the dun, 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 dun. like it just adds some atmosphere as opposed to him like coming out. You know, it's just like oh, here's his random music or like silence. I didn't hear any music. Like, yeah, I guess it was just silence and like commentary because I didn't hear any music. Yeah, so Brett and Benoit both get the the long tracking shot. I was hyped for this match, and there was a sign in the crowd that just kind of brought me right back to reality. Hmm. Sign that read, long live Crippler. Ooh. And I'm just like, oh. Ooh. Maybe oh, you're regretting that in about yeah, six we, years, Can we edit years? Peacock just to have a different crowd shot? Just splice one in? Like, I just, I was really excited, and I just, it was one of those just active reminders. And I'm like, oh, oh I'm yeah. now a little less excited. Sometimes you just gotta be brought back to reality of like the people you're watching. So the match starts. They shake hands. Charles Robinson has to separate them in the corner. Benoit hits a quick arm drag and the, and then keeps targeting the arm. Not to be outdone, Bray gets on offense, does the same. It's exactly what you expect from a Brett Benoit match. They trade That's holds it. on the mat. The crowd is very pro Brett, which I found a little interesting, just because both them are Canadian. Yeah. Brett tries to turn a sunset flip into a sharpshooter, but Benoit counters into a crossface attempt, but Brett is in the ropes. I thought it was a nice little smooth spot. We were talking about how the uh, stuff keeps being turned into submissions. Mm -hmm. I thought that was nice. It is. It's very smooth. You know, Brett turnbuckle spot, and then what I thought was the fan from earlier hops the barricade. He hits Benoit with a Canadian flag, and then we realize, no, that's Dean Malenko. I got very angry. Yes. Oh, because you wanted organic fan interference. I love organic <laughs> fan interference. And I'm never going to get it anymore because they know I love organic fan interference. So it's going to be played in to the fucking show. I thought we actually had something. But no, fucking whoever wrote this shit had to have Dean Malenko come out and rub his face paint off on the fucking Canadian flag. What I feel like is like not cool, but also didn't come off. So, you know, there's that. They really had to have commentary. Be like, oh, it's Dean Malenko. For me yeah. to be like, oh, that is Dean. Yeah. The face paint was too good, admittedly. Yeah. He was not using Sting's face paint, let's say that. I don't... I don't get it. In terms of... Why why are you doing this elaborate ruse? Sneaky. <laughs> like, it's in the middle of the main event title match. Benoit has a lot on his mind already. You can just run out normally. Sneaky. So, Brett attacks Dean Malenko. He's having none of this bullshit interference. Back inside, Brett hits a pile driver. Brett starts working over the back, but Benoit hits some hard chops. Backbreaker from Benoit followed up with a back suplex. Brett hits a DDT and goes for a backbreaker where Benoit counters it into a tombstone. A nice little smooth move there. Chris Benoit goes up top, hits a big diving headbutt, and then the fucking Outsiders run out. Because of course they do. The Outsiders beat down Benoit and go to hit Brett, but before they can, Goldberg comes out and makes the save. Of course he does. Goldberg spears Nash, goes for the jackhammer, but Hall hits him with a chair. I did at this point say it's giving WCW. Yeah. <laughs> this is like very WCW a year ago. We'll talk about that in a minute because Hart then fights off Hall. They brawl at ringside. Hall and Nash bail as Goldberg chases them and fights them to the back. Like security kind of breaks that up. Brent and Benoit still go a couple minutes here. Like these, just these weird false finish or even false finish interferences just like these weird act breaks like yeah. cool act one's over because Dean Malenko came out act two is over because the outsiders came out and I'm like now we got the grand finale like none of these are actually for the finish it just came off so weird Benoit works over the leg of Brett as they resume and they're like wait never mind Goldberg and the outsiders are still brawling because we go split screen and it's really why did we go split screen it's really this hard to so focus stupid. on the one side 
Benoit hits a big chop, locks in a figure four. Brett gets the ropes, but his legs are hurt. And that's kind of the story going into this match as well. Where like, yeah, he never really recovered from his leg injury from yeah. the last pay-per-view. Brett hits a backbreaker and follows up with setting Benoit up in the corner and hitting a superplex. Once again, I'm just like, it feels too clean that you go, put him up and do the move as intended. I think keep, right. I keep being ready for a counter. And there have just been coming. a lot of counters lately. Yeah. Russian leg sweep to Benoit and then headbutt to Benoit's lower back. Brett goes for a scoop slam, but Benoit lands on top of him, but falls to the floor. And someone fucking throws a soda at him. Like, go fuck yourself. And somebody threw toilet paper into the ring, too. Yeah, that's literally at the finish. Yeah. Brett tries to suplex Benoit from the apron, but Benoit counters it into double Germans. He goes for a third, but Benoit counters that counter and goes for the crossface. Brett elbows out of it and just muscles Benoit into the sharpshooter. Someone throws some fucking toilet paper in. Gets him in it. Benoit taps out. New WWE champion, Bret Hart. Woo! Bret's family is like immediately in the ring. Like, Jesus, you had them Yeah, they were up. ready. All the kiddos. The two men hug and uh, Bret's given a Canadian flag to wave around. And it was a nice ending to the match, but this was just overbooked. Oh, yeah. There was way too much. The Outsiders did not have to be here. Gold Goldberg did not have to be here. I'm shocked that Jeff Jarrett was not here. Yeah. I thought he was. True. That's... One of those where if you would ask me going into this, I'm like, yeah, Jared. I assumed he was. I think I said that a minute ago. Yeah, the team Malenko is clearly just setting up, I guess, Benoit's next feud. I don't know what Brett's going to do. Yeah, match was good. It was not my favorite on the night. No, it was fine. And it was not better than their match. Um, no, it was not October. better than their Owen match. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the match? Thoughts on the show as a whole? Way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, people like are not into the show. I don't like, get you, that. I mean, again, maybe our standards have been lowered, but I like, no, that much though. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a handful of good to decent matches here, and I mean, again, there were four negative star matches. I don't didn't think. Really, yeah, didn't think any of them really deserve. I mean, I guess actually maybe the Vampiro in Berlin one, but yeah, then, maybe that one. Even then, in ring, it might have been fine, but. Actually, that and the uh, that and the disco match were both just overshadowed by commentary on them. Yes, agreed. One of them is just less problematic commentary. I love Tony Marinara. He can stay on all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Which is funny because you're not that into marinara sauce. I don't like marinara sauce. Well, let's go to best bit, potential worst bit, and MVP. I've Emily, got one for all of the above. Emily, what is your best bit? I gave it to the um, the David Kimberly match with all the Jersey boys coming back. Mostly just Canyon's return, honestly. Okay. It gave me so much joy. I know this was a match, a card full of great matches, but that one brought me so much joy. You, you're going to give it to the, the match where Kimberly... Not the match, just Canyon. Just Ken, Canyon's return. Canyon's return. Hold on, just Canyon's return or, or all three? The Jersey me, boys, all three. No Arn? You didn't pop for Arn? Okay, I'll give it to everyone in that match that's not actually in the match. <laughs> The trio of returns. Sure. In all honesty, much as I like Bam Bam Bigelow, I'd be totally fine if Arn Anderson replaced Bam Bam Bigelow as part of the I Jersey Boys. I wish Bam Bam Bigelow came down with this. I was hoping that he would. I don't think it's too much of a surprise that I'm giving mine to the opening match, the Jarrett Benoit yeah. match. I yeah. thought it was the best match on the card. Okay. Emily, do you have a worst bit? Obviously. What is your worst bit? The Vampiro Berlin match. <sighs> that was really close to mine. What was yours? Again, you disagree. It was the finish to Goldberg said. I know we're it wasn't a great We're talking about bit. how we're lowering our standards and you're still going to get mad about that shit? Yes. Why? Don't do the rematch. What's you your the same finish. 
Don't have an protect I protect your heart, the, Nick. The entire point of the I quit match is for someone to verbally quit, not have ref stoppage. He was knocked out. They even panned back to him at the end after everything was done. He was still out cold on the mat. It's not like he popped back up. Do a submission match. I'm gonna then. need you to let it go. I, I I'll let it go. I literally t tomorrow. For right now, no. That is my worst bit. I remember, it's funny. Ever going into this, go like, I don't know if I have a worst bit. Maybe that. And then I just went, oh, this fucker. And then MVP. What do you got? Brett. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I. It's one of those where it almost feels like Brett by default. By the yeah. way. With you giving it to Brett, you've not given it to Brett four out of the last five episodes. I mean, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> I think Norman Smiley was your My one boy. other. Wow, what a fucking My lineup boy. there. Yeah, I think it's got to be Brett. I mean. It is by default, but like no one else stood out and he won the championship, I guess. I it's know. another one of those where I'd probably give it to Benoit, but we said. Nope, we're not allowed. So yeah, other than Brett, I don't know who you'd give it to. This is Brett's night. This is literally... I mean, he's been in WWE for two years. He's been waiting for this moment, and it is a nice moment. The crowd loves it. It's, you know, it's a good way to send everybody home happy. And yeah. also, we've kind of mentioned this before. I sometimes wonder, like, are we a slave to the main event where it's like, hey, it's a feel-good ending, and therefore we kind of feel better about the show as opposed to, oh, this is just dark-sided. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bust the Seats podcast. Our next episode will be our first one of 2023. Gross. That's a hell of a year coming up. We're getting it's, married. Yeah, it's going to be the start of the build to Starcade. It's the start of the build to our wedding. It's a really long build. Yeah, until until the next episode, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seats Podcast. Also, listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Emily, any uh, closing thoughts as we get out of here? I mean, this is going to be released, I guess, probably the day before or the day of New Year's Eve. Thank you guys for another really good year. We've had a lot of fun, and we appreciate all the support we've had. And I hope you guys have a happy, healthy, and safe New Year's Eve and a great 2023. Until we go down the road towards Starcade 99, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Best of Seas podcast. Bye.